0: I want to thank Pastor Allen and the church for the opportunity to speak this morning on a question I believe we've all asked ourselves, and that is, is Jesus really God? My wife asked me on yesterday, was I nervous about speaking in church this morning? And my answer was, no, I'm not really. I'm not really nervous. But this morning, I got really nervous about 4 or 5 o'clock a.m. I had a really weird dream, and I, she said I shouldn't tell her in church, but I'm going to veto this time and say it anyway. I'm going to share my dream. This morning on, uh, before church... This weird dream of getting lost, coming to the church. We end up being late. And I get to the service, and all the women were actually lead the service. This is, and then women leave us all men. So it turned into a men's event. And before you know it, the kids were teaching us martial arts, and one of the kids put me in a headlock. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. And I'm arguing with Pastor Allen after this, thinking he set me up. And so I would say now, for one, the women are in the service, for one. We were not late. No one's put me in a headlock, and me and Pastor Allen are not arguing, so I think I'm going to do okay this morning with the message, amen. So, um, I don't know what that was all about, amen. That was four or five this morning, amen. Maybe God want me to get up and pray this morning, amen. But the message is entitled, Is Jesus Really God? The Bible says in Isaiah 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and they will be, sorry, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The Scripture says in John 1 and verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's take this time and just bow once again and pray God's blessing upon the message. Eternal God and Father, Lord, we come once again to your throne of grace in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in church for a time of fellowship, for the communion, the testimonies that were given, the music ministry, and we pray now, Lord, a blessing upon the preached word. For the word of God is quick and powerful, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit in joint samurai, It is a discern of the thoughts in the attempts of the heart. We pray now a blessing upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen. To so think about the life of Christ, Christ's origins and his life as recorded in the Old Testament, we learned that Christ would come out of Israel from the tribe of Judea. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 24. Verse 17 down to verse 19. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will arise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Seth. Edom will be conquered. Seir, his enemy, will be conquered. But Israel will grow strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. We also learned that Christ, or the Messiah, will be born of a virgin and born in Bethlehem. The scripture says in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judea, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. I had the opportunity to go to Israel in 2007 for a two-week trip while I was in Bible college. And I praise God for the opportunity. I was at a church. School it was a very small Bible college, maybe 150 students but it was affiliated with a church, the Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois. And they were a very friendly, family-oriented type of church. And so at that time, going to the trip, it was about $2,500, I didn't have any of it. And so the church gave me a $1,500 scholarship and someone else paid the rest of the trip for me, for me to go. It was while on that trip in 2007, in fact, it was February, I turned 25 years of age. And I had the opportunity while I was in Bible college to play basketball for four years. And my coach would always tell us, you should have the general direction for your life by the time you're 25. And so I pondered that. I thought about that for a few years, thought about that, that comment. And so I had a chance to turn 25 and in Israel. I was praying in a room in Jerusalem. And it was that day I promised God that I would be a preacher while in Jerusalem at the age of 25. And it was maybe a year later I got ordained to my church on the south side of Chicago in Englewood. So I had a chance to walk in the footprints of Christ, going to Bethlehem, going to Engedi when David hid from King Saul, being able to be baptized in the Jordan River. And so I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him, Emmanuel, which simply means God is with us. And we praise God that God is with us today through his eternal Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the sons of God are led by the Spirit of Almighty God. We also read in Hosea that the Messiah, or Jesus Christ, would spend a portion of his childhood in Egypt. The prophet Isaiah prophesied that he would suffer and make atonement for our sins. Details of him riding to Jerusalem on a donkey, that he will be given gall and vinegar to drink on the cross, and according to Jewish custom, that he will be circumcised on the eighth day. This is all recorded in the Old Testament concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. So there will be a whole lot of coincidences for him not to be the Messiah. Where he will be born, his time in Egypt as a child, uh, what he will be given to drink on the cross is all Old Testament prophecies fulfilled. And we also learn from psalms praise god that the messiah would raise from the dead the bible says in psalm 16 in verse 10 because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead nor will you let your faithful one see decay so there are many biblical proofs that jesus is indeed god jesus himself claimed three attributes that are only true of god omniscience omnipresence and he's omnipotent, which simply means that as God, he had all power. He's present therefore at the same time, and he has knowledge of all things. He claimed to be omniscient in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40. He claimed to be omnipresent in Matthew 18 and in verse 20. And he claims to have all power and does have all power, according to Luke chapter 8 and verse 24. Now, as you think about this, I think about something Pastor Allen shared with me concerning how God speaks to his people. Uh, One of our counselors at PGM for many years was a pastor named Ed Schumberger. And many years ago, he he explained to me that God has five primary ways of communicating to us or leading us through his spirit, through the word of God, um, through the peace of God in our hearts, through the gifts and abilities he gives us, and through his leaders or leadership. But Pastor Allen gave me a sixth recently. And that is God leads us through very strong impressions, and I do believe in that. You have a gut feeling that comes from God's Holy Spirit. And I think back maybe 14 years ago, I had a very strong impression one evening to pray for my sister Tiffany. I was, in fact, at the mission at the time on the program, and I was in my bunk at PGM at a shelter, and I had a strong impression that evening to pray for my sister. Maybe a week or two after that, she had told me she got into a car accident that same day. And she told me this, I wish she was here today, that as she was passing out and, and about to run into a tree, she saw my face blinking before her eyes. Now, I don't know about you here today, that's not a coincidence. That was the Holy Spirit prompting me to pray for my sister at that moment. And, and here's why I share that today. That's not to boast, but it's to say that as believers in Christ, we have to be in tune with God and pray for our family. Parents should always pray for your children. Spouses should always pray for your spouse, and church members should always be in prayer for your pastor and elders and other church members. The Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their limb. I like the way Pastor Meeks will say it down at Pacific Guard Mission. You don't need an education to pray. You don't have to have money to pray. All you need to have is faith in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So I suggest to you today, don't worry about it, pray about it. When you feel useless, pray about it. When you feel overwhelmed in life, pray about it. When your zeal and power is gone, pray about it. When you feel like giving up on God, don't give up. You pray about it because prayer changes things. I am here today because of the prayers of the saints. I talked about the church I grew up in. I've had the privilege of going back there a few times since that time. In fact, I went back two years ago with my wife, and there were two ladies in the church. They brought me back to one of the small rooms in this church that we had for our Christian school. And there was a picture of me when I was a child in the church. She pointed to the picture, and she says, Percy, we've been praying for you ever since you left the church. That was over 20 years ago. So I'm a firm believer in the power of prayer. Prayer will bring you out of some very dark times in your life. So I I encourage you. Maybe here today you have a loved one. You have a family member who you're worried about. You pray until God does something. You trust him until God gives you a breakthrough. So back to Christ and proof that he is the son of God, the Messiah, God himself. Jesus lived... A sinless life. He was virgin born without a father's seed. He lived his whole life without committing one sin. Now think about that. I don't think we went this whole week without committing one sin, if we're honest. Well, at least I haven't. Maybe you all have, but come on. The Bible, I'm going to get you. The Bible says the thought of foolishness is sin. So if you had a bad thought, you, there you go. You dropped the ball right there. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one, but there was one, Jesus Christ, who which lived a complete and absolute perfect life to the conformity of the will of God. As a result of his perfect revelation of God, as I'm sorry, as a result of this, he was a perfect revelation of God, perfect mediator, and he became an acceptable and also a perfect sacrifice. As God, Jesus had power over nature, power over devils, power over disease, and power over death. Only God has power over nature, devils, disease, and death. The Bible says in Matthew 14 and verse 25, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on a lake, so he had power over the natural elements. We can say what we want to say about Peter, but Peter's the only one who walked on water with Jesus. You see, sometimes God will use unlikely people to do great things, and maybe we're here today, and maybe you're, you're that person that God wants to do great things with. You see, the greatest ability we have is not our ability, but it's availability. Is your heart open to God leading you to whatever He wants you to do? So he had power over nature. He had power over devils. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28 to 32 that there was a man who was possessed with two demons. The Bible says in verse 29 of that text, what do you want with us, son of God? They shouted, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs were feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. For he said to them, go. So they came out and went to the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Now, there seems to be a extreme within the church. I grew up in a Pentecostal church where everything was a demon. Lying demon, gossiping demon, that's an extreme. And I went to Bible college, and the other extreme is, nothing's a demon, it's all just work of the flesh. Well, here's the truth. There are works of the flesh, but there are also very real evil spirits too that can enforce those things we struggle with. In other words, we have to stop telling the lie that demons are only in third world countries. I know you don't like that. They're right here in America. and a matter of fact, they're right here in some churches as well. Okay? Religious demons who have religion, Pharisees, Sadducees. There's some people even today who have that same type of spirit, that self-righteous disposition that is anti-God. So, yes, we have an old nature, but there is also a very real demonic force that we wrestle against. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So Jesus has power over devils, power over disease. The Bible says in Matthew 8 and verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He says, I am willing. He said, be thou clean, and immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Now, I don't believe in faith healers, but I do believe God can heal through prayer. I don't believe in faith healers, but I do believe that God can heal through prayer. The Bible says it this way in James. Turn here, if you will, to James chapter 5. I want to read a passage. Concerning the healing that comes through prayer. James chapter 5. And this Bible is not saved because I won't turn pages. Here we go. go. James chapter 5, and the Bible says in verse 15, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, right? And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, there it is, Not perfect, not without fault, but a righteous man, a faithful man, a God-fearing man. The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. One of the greatest resources we have, and I keep going back to this, is prayer. I believe in the importance of talking to God on a daily basis. And I want to encourage you to set a spiritual goal. I was challenged to do that when I was in Bible college, to each year set spiritual goals. And I believe we should set a goal of what amount of time we spend each day talking to God. It amazes me how we can spend two, three, four hours watching a movie, two, three hours watching a basketball game, and then you talk about prayer. And it's silent. Prayer is the most important thing we have going for us. The Bible says to cast our cares upon him Because he cares for us. Prayer is what will help you during moments of anxiety. Maybe you're here today, you're battling anxiety and fear. The Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. So God's power is given to us through prayer. Prayer will help you overcome fear. Prayer will help you overcome anxiety. Prayer will open doors for you. And so prayer is a mighty resource we have in the hands of Almighty God. Jesus had power over disease. Now, power also over death. The Bible says in John chapter 11 and verse 44, the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with stripes of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You see, death in its true sense is separation from God. It's greater than just physical death. It's very possible to be walking in spiritual death day by day. And I believe that happens to us when we spend the whole week without prayer. We go a whole week without reading God's word. There should be a void. There should be something in you says, I feel empty without hearing from God. The Bible says in Matthew 5, Bless are you with hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you shall be filled. So death isn't just a physical death, it is a separation from God, because without God, there's no true peace. Without God, there is no true joy, and without God, there is no true power. So Jesus, again, had power over devils, power over death, power over disease, and power over nature because he was God. Jesus was filled with the Spirit of God His entire time on this earth, the wind, the fire, the breath and zeal that comes from the spirit of almighty God. The Bible says in Acts 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the scripture, with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. The Bible also says in 1 John 3 and verse 8, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. For this reason, the Son of God appeared to destroy the devil's work. You see, as God, Jesus destroyed the devil's work. He has delivered us from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and one day from the presence of sin. The penalty of sin is death. The power of sin is in our day-by-day lives, which we're struggling with right now, by the way. And one day we will be delivered from the presence of sin when we go to heaven. For the Bible says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered to the the, the mind of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So what am I trying to say? Jesus is God. As God, he has power over disease. As God, he has power over the devils. As God, he has power over death. And as God, he has power over nature. You see, Jesus was holy, loving, compassionate, meek, humble, prayerful, and one with the Father. The truths that are written about him in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms all testify to this truth. Jesus is the Messiah, and Jesus is God. Now, as I talked about earlier, I grew up in a black church, so we're going to kind of switch gears now. Let me take you to the black church. Jesus was Abraham's friend, Isaac's substitute, Jacob's Shiloh, Moses' rod, Miriam's son, David's shepherd, Solomon's wisdom, Samson's shrimp, Isaiah's lamb, Jeremiah's bomb, Ezekiel's will because Jesus was God. He was Daniel's stone, Matthew's king, Mark's servant, Grace, Luke's great physician, John's word, because Jesus is and was God. As God, he was Abel's vindicator. As God, he is our Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the Lord who is holy. In Numbers, he is my giant slayer. In Deuteronomy, he's the one who will lead you to a land that is flowing with milk and with honey. In Joshua, he is your warrior. In Judges, he is our judge. In Ruth, he is our Boaz or our kinsman redeemer. In Samuel, he is our prophet and he is our priest. In Kings, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Why? Because Jesus is God. In Chronicles, every soul is important to God. In Ezra, he is our scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the person who can rebuild the broken-down walls in your life. In Esther, he is your Mordecai. In Job, he is your patience. In Psalms, Jesus is our song. In Proverbs, Jesus is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is the greatest preacher. In Song and Solomon, he's the lover of our soul. Why? Because Jesus is God. In Isaiah, he is the Lord who was lifted high above the temple. In Jeremiah, he's a bomb in Gilead. In Ezekiel, he is the will in the middle of the will. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in that furnace. In Hosea, he is the God who loves you even when you're unfaithful. He's the God who restores the years that have been eaten by the locusts, according to the prophet Joel. In Amos, he is the one who helps you walk together with him in agreement. In Obadiah, he is the one who can deliver you from the sin and stronghold of pride. In Jonah, he is the one who can restore you when you run from him. In Micah, he is the house of Bethlehem's bread, according to Micah 5 and verse 2. In Nahum, he is the one who relieves his oppressed people. In Habakkuk, he is the one who gives you a plain vision for your life. In Zephaniah, he is the one who restores those who are willing to repent. In Haggai, he's the one who wants you to consider your ways. In Zechariah, he is that new day for God's chosen people. In Malachi, he is, well, I don't know, pay your tithes. Amen. That's what that says, Malachi. Amen. (laughs) Lost my train of thought. Pay your tithes. There you go. In Matthew, he is the Messiah. In Mark, he is the suffering servant. In Luke, he's the son of man. And in John, he's the son of God. Why is that? Because Jesus is God. And Acts, he's the power behind the apostles. In Romans, he is my and your salvation. In Corinthians, he's the lover of our souls. In Galatians, he is our freedom from the power of sin, from the power of devils, and from the power of disease. In Ephesians, he is our peace. In Philippians, he is the joy while we suffer in spiritual prisons. In Colossians, he is the one who's preeminent over all things. In Thessalonians sees the rapture coming back for the church. In Timothy, he is truly our pastor. In Titus, he is our elder. In Philemon, he is our great intercessor. In Hebrews, he is the one who's greater than Moses, greater than Aaron, and greater than the angels. Why? Because Jesus is God. In James, he teaches us that faith without works is dead. In Peter, he's the one who teaches you to follow your leaders. In the epistles of John, he is a teacher that is faithful and true. In Jude, he helps us to contend for our faith, and he keeps us from falling. In Revelation, he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the faithful and true, the seven churches, 24 elders, 12 gates. What am I saying today? From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible says that Jesus is God. It is Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now, I know that he was Abel's vindicator, but he's also your vindicator. I know he was in a furnace with Daniel, but he's in a furnace with you right now, too. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Let's give God some praise here today. Jesus is God. And it's only through him and him alone we can have the free gift of eternal life. The Bible says in Ephesians 9, For by grace are we saved through faith and deny of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We praise God and we thank Him for His Son, Jesus Christ. And not only is He the way to eternal life, but He's also the way to having an abundant life now on earth, a life with God's peace, a life with God's joy, and a life lived in God's power. We thank him that he is and truly the Son of God, the Messiah. I'm gonna take this time now to pray, and then I'll turn it back over to Pastor Allen.